Welcome to the Workshop Therapy Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, and joining me today is the king of random dad jokes <laughs> on the on the YouTube and uh, Mr. Drew Fisher. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm I'm doing pretty good. I'm alive and I, I think I actually just about died last week of COVID again. So Oh no. Again? Yeah, I, I had it a, what a year ago or two years ago now, and then this last last week I was just absolutely hammered and feeling terrible. But so, did you notice that the symptoms have changed from the second time, uh, based on the you know in comparison to the first time you had it? I'm not. Get, I I didn't get a test, so I don't know if I had it had it for sure. But um, it it was pretty much the same, except not as severe. Okay, because I I had it once. Let's see the. The, the world kind of blew up in, what, March of 2020, right? That's when yeah. all the shutdowns happened. <clears throat> I ended up getting it, I think, like that summer I got it. And I all my taste w- just vanished. Or, or no, it wasn't—yeah, it was taste. Like, I couldn't taste food the same. But the big thing was that I couldn't smell anything. And— I thought that that was really, really strange, and that, and come to find out that that was a major symptom of that first strand of COVID is that your, your sense of smell is gone. I remember my my son telling me, "You don't smell that. You don't smell that." And I'm like, "No, I don't smell it. What's going on?" And he's like, "Ah, something smells like something's burning, you know." And, and certainly something was burning in the kitchen. But he handed me like one of these scented candles that my wife had, and it's just the super strong, powerful scent. And I just buried my nose in that thing and was taking big whiffs of it. I couldn't smell a thing, nothing. So my sense of smell was gone for like two weeks or so. And I couldn't really taste food all that well. And it, it didn't come back the way it was before. Some foods that used to taste wonderful to me, it, they're like, yeah, you know, I could give or take it now. It, it's... It's weird. And what I found out is that your brain is actually relearning the tastes of what things used to taste like. And sometimes it doesn't relearn them in the same way. Yeah, that's uh, I never got the the smell thing. Like my my wife lost her sense of smell, but I didn't. Hmm. And so but yeah, I can that would probably be one of the most annoying things to do because you because you don't realize how much your sense of smell affects everything like your your sense of taste and and just like your day-to-day uh situational awareness right 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 anyway we don't need to talk about covid that's been uh you know that's taboo talk yeah, talk, yeah. especially <laughs> dying from covid that's uh, you know, yeah, don't want to talk yeah. about that at all but anyway so I had a couple questions for you, and this is why I asked you to be on because you, okay. you you've talked about a few times on your own podcast and and stuff about how you've dealt with a lot of uh, chronic pain type of issues. And so, uh, as much as this is the workshop therapy podcast, and it kind of swings towards the mental health stuff because that's my current focus due to my master's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm also a chiropractor. I'm also a, I also have a master's level functional medicine training. So I'm trying to be like kind of maker health in general okay and how how people deal with that in the in the workshop and so you said you have you have some kidney um kidney stone problems quite often right yeah i've i've been battling that for years and years i've had somewhere between 40 and 50 kidney stones and i've had i think 
I think I'm at 10 surgeries now to get rid of them. And ironically, I just passed a kidney stone the other day. It was just a tiny, tiny, like not even a one millimeter stone. But trust me, guys, you feel it even when it's that small. Uh, I've had the ureteroscopies. I've had the lithotripsies, uh, like the shockwave therapy, um, all that stuff to break them up. And Every diff- every doctor I have, every urologist I have, I ask the same question. Why is this happening to me? What what am I doing? Is it diet related? Is it I, I, how can I keep from generating these? And all of them say the same thing. We don't know. It just happens. You're just prone to making them. And ironically, it's always my left kidney. It's never my right. So there is some kind of difference between my kidneys. I don't know what's going on. Uh, so if if you're in need of a kidney transplant or a kidney swap, I, you know, <laughs> just I can send you my number. Just DM me. And <laughs> you, you have a spare. I don't wish this on anyone, actually. Well, maybe ISIS. You know, I'll 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 give my uh, my kidney to one of those guys. But yeah. it's uh, it's it's been better, actually. Uh, I know that I said I, I just passed one the other day, but it's been quite a while since my last surgery, and I did have my uh, urologist recommend that I start taking. Um, ironically, it's it's a blood pressure medication. And I'm taking it um, just like half a pill, so really small doses right now. But it's something that I take every single day. And apparently it's a side effect of one of these pills is that it helps inhibit the kidney from making stones or from uh, crystallizing these different chemicals, I guess, that are in there. So it's like calcium and it's oxalate. Those are the yeah. Uh, the two that crystallize and, and that's, they make up like something like 85 to 90% of people's kidney stones. There are some other really rare kinds of kidney stones, but I fall in the majority, minor calcium oxalate, but apparently this blood pressure medication is, is has been helping. So I haven't been making them nearly as much, nearly as fast or nearly as big, which is great because if they stay small, then I can just pass them myself and I won't have to you know have the the ambulance trip to the to the ER anymore. Yeah. My dad uh my dad actually produces uric acid crystals. Mm. And uh, I I I personally every time you talk about kidney stones I kind of have this personal shudder because I live in this absolute paranoia of them because my my dad has them and all of my uncles have had them and three of my aunts have had them. Oh. Two of my brothers, so there's a there's a family problem. Wow! And, and I just live in this in this terror. And my dad, uh, my dad has had so many at this point that he doesn't feel them anymore. Like he doesn't feel the pain, but it's obviously affecting him because he knows he's passing a, a kidney stone because he's absolutely lethargic and he starts to pee blood. Mm-hmm. And he's and- he's passed thousands and thousands, literally thousands, and and. Uh, and I know they're terrible because I once saw my dad break his hand and he looked at it and went, huh, I better go to the hospital. Got into the truck and drove off to the hospital. 
but he throws up when he has kidney stones. <laughs> and, and so, so I have this constant like, oh no, please, please let Drew <laughs> keep them. I don't want them. Yep, I've been there. I've done that. Uh, it, it. It's strange. I mean, you say that your dad has passed so many that he doesn't feel them the same. And, and that's very true because it's the same case for me, too, because uh, my insides uh, have actually built up with, like, scar tissue from yeah. the stones cutting their way through. And I don't feel them as bad. But what people don't normally understand is that they think of, oh, the kidney stone is just a super sharp object. And when it's being forced through a you know a narrow tube that's what's hurting no that's actually not what's hurting because you don't have any nerve endings in your ureter uh, but w- what's hurting is that it stops up all of the urine it acts as a cork and you get all this back pressure that fills up in your kidney and then that's what creates that terrible terrible back pain that you know kind of wraps around the side of your body and that it's absolutely crippling you said that it it the pain is so bad that sometimes your dad you know throws up yes it is induced vomiting for me because it has been so so painful so obviously that that affects your time in the shop right like there's no way that you're uh, standing over the bandsaw or the table saw when you're right all i mean up. how how often does that it, Does it that doesn't happen to you. Thank, thankfully, it doesn't happen all that often. And that I think my last surgery that I my last bout with with kidney stones was about four and a half five months ago. And I had a uh, ureteroscopy done where they went in and they removed a bunch of them. But uh, you know, healing up from that, it's not that big of a deal. Um, it didn't really keep me out of the shop that long. But yes, you're absolutely right. When I'm in, when I'm feeling pain or, or it's hurting, I'm not going to go down there and start using power tools. That's just not smart. But if I had to tell you, you know, what, what is a health issue that does keep me out of the shop more often than anything else, it's got to be my back pain. And I'm actually suffering right now from a lot of back pain because I, I was standing over, hunched over my laser in my garage all day yesterday. I mean, we're talking like eight hours yesterday. I was in the garage with my winter parka on and my hat on and, and my boots and because it's freezing in there. And I'm hunched over my laser working on uh, all these different projects that, that I've got going. And th- the worst thing that I can do for my back pain is just to stand. If I'm sitting or laying down, it's fine. It's like my weight is dispersed and it doesn't put that pressure on my lower back. But if I'm just standing, oh, it hurts so bad. And right now, uh, like I had trouble getting out of bed this morning. I had trouble uh, bending over and putting on my socks. It just hurts so much. Uh, and, and that's something that I've had to deal with ever since I was a no, probably a teenager. And it's probably something that I'm going to have to deal with forever. Um, I spoke to my doctor about it and they took x-rays and I've had MRIs or CAT scans done on my back and they're like, oh, yep, yep, you're right. It is screwed up. But there's not much we can do. I've seen chiropractors uh, for years and they can, 
you know, do their black magic or voodoo on, on my back and got a smile out of you there. But <laughs> it's it's not black magic or voodoo. It's perfectly <laughs> it's perfectly normal everyday sorcery. Yes, sorcery. So I I have that done and it it just there's no fixing it. It's just going to, you know, go back to the, to what it was. It might alleviate some of the initial problems, you know, over the next couple of days and it might help a little bit, but I I I don't know. It's just one of those things I have to learn how like what my limits are and my limits are always changing, especially now that I'm getting older. I'm almost 50 and it's I, I just have to take breaks more often, and I can no longer jump up into the back of my pickup truck with one hand. You know, I can't do that. I got to, you know, go approach the tailgate backwards and plop down on it with my butt and then spin around and and grunt a few times while I try to stand up. It's just part of getting old, I think, and I need to uh, just be more careful. I have to get the right kind of stools in my shop so that I can sit down instead of stand at the bench. Uh, but yeah, I, I try to hide it as best I can when, you know, I'm filming a project for the, for the, you know, for YouTube. But uh, that's probably the most crippling, uh, it, I'm not going to call it an illness, but uh, that's what health concern I have that's probably keeping me out of the shop the most. Yeah. Is that so? Is that one of the reasons why you don't um, have like a, a super consistent release schedule? Is just because some days it takes you a little bit longer to get stuff done than other days you can work a little bit faster? Or is that a more of a conscious mental health thing to say, I'm not going to be tied to the. I need to have everything out every second Friday. Right. So the health issues definitely contribute to that. You're right. Uh, the biggest thing is, I well, it's twofold. Number one, I tend to procrastinate a lot. Like I will look for ways to procrastinate. And the second big thing is that Filming things for YouTube in the shop is not my primary business. Uh, I it, it certainly helps. It, I would still well, I don't know. You know, it's kind of grown to the point now where it's neck and neck with my my other business. I own an IT related company where I perform managed services for uh, companies out of my house where I can log in remotely and manage their their computer infrastructure. Uh, I've had that for mm, about 12, going on 13 years now, and that's been very successful. It's, it's been a, a great company to, to run, and I enjoy it. However, as time goes on, I'm getting, I find myself less and less entranced with IT and the computer world, and honestly, I'm letting it phase out. So as long as my customer will keep signing and keep renewing their contracts, I'll keep it alive. But as soon as they decide not to renew with me, then my computer company will kind of curl up and die. And that's fine. I, I'm ready to retire that and go full in on Fisher's shop. But you're right. At that point, I'm really going to have to kind of step up my release schedule because right now I'm like once a month and it's just not 
quick enough. It has really stunted my channel's growth, and uh, I, I know I could be doing a lot better. There's a lot of other content creators that are real go-getters that, just like you said, they're it's like once every couple of weeks, they're firing out a, a, a big project. I mean, look at Bob Claggett from I Like to Make Stuff. That guy is just cranking them out. Yeah, but he also has a team now, too. He's not doing it by himself. Well, and that, that makes a big to, difference. That's changed. He's scaled back. Oh, yeah. So, like, uh, Anthony Rose is no longer his uh, videographer, and he's had to let some other people go, and and he's kind of back to a, a very small skeleton crew to handle that, just because of uh, current times. You know, with he, he just can't afford. Uh, paying his whole team. He needs to kind of focus on his own family, and that means cutting expenses. So he's yeah. had to scale back. So he's doing a lot of that by himself. But that's the only thing he does is is film projects for, for YouTube. So yeah. I would imagine that I would have to ramp things up similarly to that. Uh, it would be nice to have my own team because there are a lot of aspects of Fisher Shop that I don't particularly enjoy doing. Uh, I mean, anytime that I'm going in the shop with the camera, it just triples the time that it takes to get the project done. Uh, but I think I'd get a lot more of enjoyment out of it if, if I was just building to build. But then if I don't turn the camera on and I build something cool, then it's like, well, dang it. I yeah. should have filmed this because this could have been an awesome video. So I, I tend to film everything. I've been experimenting here the last week or so um, with just more of for a personal figure out how to do this thing than anything else. But I've been I've been doing kind of like a daily video when I'm in the shop. And and so I've. It, it's changed how I how I film a project, but the amount of editing that then comes into that, like I'll mm. be in the shop for an hour, and then in order to get a usable video out of that, you spend an hour editing, mm -hmm. and so uh, or more in some cases. But yeah, I, I don't know how people like like as as much as it would be nice to be able to just do whatever you wanted in the shop and have somebody pay you to do that. There's so much of that back end stuff that happens that you're not actually, you know, for every every hour that you spend in the shop, you end up spending three or four hours doing something else in order to to justify the the hour in the shop, and it's just right. overwhelming. But editing is such a pain, isn't it? I it it takes me days of editing to complete one of my YouTube videos, and if I'm gonna be filming something shorter, maybe something for a YouTube short or Instagram. Sure, it doesn't take days, but it still takes a lot of time. And what's frustrating is I'll put in a lot of time and effort editing what I think is the coolest reel that I've ever put together, and I'll put it out on Instagram, and it just flops. And then maybe I'm taking a random video with my camera, not editing at all. I'll just kind of whip it around the shop or just film something dumb that, and I upload that and it just goes bananas. And a perfect example of that is, do you remember the project I did where I made that Skittles game? It's like that spinning top game. Yeah. I used my phone. So once I've completely finished it, it was sitting on my bench and in my shop, and I invited down my wife and my son. It was his very first time seeing the finished game. So he came in, and he's like, all right, how does it work? And he's like, well, 
I, I told him, you just wind up the string around this top here, and you hold it here, and you pull the string, and it spins, and it zips around and knocks these pins over. He says, oh, I want to tr- try it. I said, okay, well, here, let me start up my phone. I'll, I'll film your very first time. And I wasn't putting any effort into this film. I wasn't trying to, I didn't set it up on tripod. I wasn't concerned about angles. I, none of that. It was truly just a very candid film that I took. So he fired that top off and it's bouncing around and I'm just kind of following it with my phone and I'm talking to him. I said, oh, you know, you knocked that one down. Good job. Oh, it's going over here. It's going over there. And the whole video was only like 30 some seconds long. And once it was done, I just posted it to Instagram and I figured out this might, you know, get some people interested or or whatever in, in my video. Well, it reached over like 4 million views on Instagram. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't put any effort into that at all. I just filmed a dumb video and I threw it out there and it went over 4 million. I put it on YouTube as a YouTube short. Guess what it did? 41 million views. I've never had anything go that high. I've the the closest thing I had to that was like something at two million, maybe maybe three million. Forty one million views on this YouTube short. My channel grew by over fifty five thousand subscribers just from that YouTube short. And I put zero effort into it. It almost makes you angry, doesn't it? It does, because I will put all kinds of work into my actual videos, my long-form videos, or I'll put a lot of work into other YouTube shorts, and I put them out there, and they do nothing. They just fall flat on their face. And I try to, uh, I mean, once I found this, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I found the silver bullet to success. I know how to win the Internet now. So I started making other videos, even more exciting videos of that Skittle game and posting that out. And none of them did anything. They all just flopped. Yep. So I, I have no explanation as to why videos do good or why they do bad. But anyways, that's that's a very long-winded way to say, yes, editing is a pain and sometimes it doesn't make sense. Yep. Um, hold on here. My two-year-old just snuck in. Oh, a special guest? Yeah. No, she, uh, now she's sad <laughs> because mom caught crying. her. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what was I going to say? She distracted me. All right. Uh, yeah. So speaking of speaking of your son and, and um, capitalizing off of him and the internet there with your 40 million view video. Uh, <laughs> now, you, you've talked about on your own podcast that he has some uh, um, his Asperger's. Yep. Do you do you bring him down into the shop with you at all? Is that something he's interested in, or is that you know, uh, not his thing? And so he's it's not really his interest. There are some aspects that he that he enjoys. Uh, sometimes it's like once every blue moon, you know, he'll he'll come down and comes in the shop and he'll root around in my uh, my scrap bin. Um, like where all the cut-ups are that I end up taking to the burn pile. He'll root around in there and pull something out, and he'll say, hey, I want to I wanna pound nails into something. Or actually what he really enjoys is just putting it into the vise and then hitting it with, like, hammers or whatever to destroy it even further. Um, 
I don't I don't know what he gets out of that, but he does like to do that sort of thing. Occasionally he'll come down and he'll say, Dad, I want to build I want to build something. I'm like, okay, what do you want to build? I don't know. I just want to build something. Like, okay, well, here here's a piece of paper, here's a pencil. Why don't you draw out, you know, what you had in mind and whatever you draw, we can we can make it together. Well, he doesn't like to put that much thought into it. He doesn't he's like, I don't want to draw it, I just want to do it. Like, well, it's good to have a plan, buddy, you know, and he's like, mm, eh, maybe I'll just go back upstairs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he hasn't really gotten bitten by the creative bug in regards to woodworking yet. He does know and understand and has used most of the tools in the shop. Obviously, the big ones like the table saw and the jointer, uh, he has not used. But the other one, like the sanders, uh, he, the band saw, the miter saw, uh, he's used all of those. And he knows all of my hand tools. Uh, he knows the difference between a drill and an impact driver and, you know, a jigsaw and that sort of thing. So he does have a little bit of knowledge there. And Thankfully, one thing that I have instilled in him is the mindset that you can just do things yourself. You can you can make it, you can fix it, you can do it yourself. You don't need to, you know, go buy something brand new. You don't have to go and hire somebody else to do it. There's a more often than not you can just figure it out for yourself. So he has figured that out, which is good. And he does exhibit his creativity in other ways. He loves uh, building things on the computer and he loves building uh, games. Like he will come up with a very elaborate board game and we play it as a family. It's he's very, very creative in that regard. Yeah, my my son he isn't he doesn't like the noise of the tools, but uh, for some reason he's he he enjoys blacksmithing and and I think you bought one of his little cancer ribbons last year, didn't you? I did. It's I hanging think. in the shop. Yep. Yeah. It's in every one of my videos from now on. <laughs> oh, is it? I'll have to yeah. watch for it. Point it out to him. Um, but but yeah, he doesn't like the power tools. He likes he likes blacksmithing, and I'm like, but there's little, that's just as loud but i guess it's not as consistently background roaring loud it's probably more the probably actually likes the repetitive stuff of it but anyway that's uh that's one of the things that i've been trying to instill in him though too is that same sense of you can do this yourself you don't have to rely on on somebody else to take care of things and i think for me that's one of the reasons why i like the ability to create things it's not necessarily mm-hmm. that i have the I don't necessarily want to do everything myself, but I want to be able to do everything myself. Sure. Because there's going to be times when when I can't get out to do whatever thing and because I or buy whatever thing, but because I can make it, it it's not a big deal. Or you know, there's I don't know. May, maybe the end of the world will come and we'll all end up back in the you know garden in the Stone Age. Yeah. In the Stone <laughs> Age, but. I'm ready for know. it. Let's do it. Yeah, it'll be be an interesting experience anyway. Well, I'm gonna let's let's call the show there, and okay. I'd like to say I'd like to say thank you to you for coming on and taking oh, my pleasure. taking time. And I'd just like to remind everybody, as a part of the the main show here, that I'm making I'm making some brass hammers. And this show here, we're recording a little bit in advance. So this show, there's still time. If you sign up for the Patreon, there's an opportunity to win one of the brass hammers that I'm making. 
And if you don't sign up for Patreon, I guess you don't get one. <laughs> but uh, so thanks for coming on, Drew. And uh, let's head on over to the after show. Let's do it. Actually, before we do that, I should say, because, you know, I have such a huge social media presence compared to you. Why don't you say, why don't you tell people where you can, they can find you and all that jazz before, before we head over there? Sure. I think the, uh, the biggest place you can find me is probably on YouTube where you just type in Fisher's Shop and you will find me there. I do have a website, fishersshoponline.com. And uh, we spoke earlier on this show about uh, the podcast show that I'm a part of, which is called We Built a Thing. And I do that show with a couple other YouTube content creators, Bruce Ulrich and Mark Christ, who uh, they themselves are woodworkers and content creators on YouTube and on Instagram and dads and we're friends and so that's a really fun show too if you're looking to expand uh the the various podcasts that you listen to check that one out it's called we built a thing and with that we'll head over to the after show <laughs> 